We should sing that before every sermon. Here in the power of Christ I stand. I can take that one literally right now as we um, enter into the beginning of a, a new... Uh, why did you change that slide, uh, Bailey? There we go. Got it. Good job. Man, she is quick on the draw. Because we start uh, a new series today, Secure the Bag. Now, that's a saying maybe not familiar, unfamiliar to a number of you. It's used in a variety of settings in popular culture um, that... Uh, Describe the pursuit of financial gain. Secure the bag. Uh, most uh, prominently, where I've seen it and heard of it, uh, it was five or six years ago, particularly uh, professional athletes would use it as their hashtag on social media. Um, secure the bag when they were renegotiating their contract. Uh, as uh, And they, were, they would use it particularly uh, to talk about Securing guaranteed money. Because, you know, athletes, they get incentive money. You know, if they get into the playoffs or score so many points or have so many tackles, then they get paid more bonus money. But the, the guaranteed contract is, was theirs to secure the bag. And since then, it's, it's sort of taken a life of its own to move beyond financial gain, but a number of other things just speaks to trying to attain a goal. Um, but to secure the bag. Um, for, for me, these days, I've been found out by the different gods and algorithms of social media and being on the Internet and even junk mail. Because now, you know, at 57, you know, I'm, uh, I got more years behind me than in front of me. And they've, I get sponsored social media stuff. I get ads when I'm looking at the newspaper. I get uh, junk mail even that wants, invites me, tells me, shows me how to retire. Um, this, do you have enough for retirement? Here are the secrets. I got a junk mail just in the, the mail this week to invite somebody inviting me to Carlos uh, and Johnny's restaurant, you know, for uh, the secrets to retirement. Um, so that's evidently the way that I'm securing the, the bag today. But most of the you know, secure the bag references are towards our finance. And for this series, as we secure the bag, as we pursue our financial health, uh, financial stability, uh, our, our financial goals, we want to do so in accordance to God's truth. We want to do so with, with God's wisdom in our mon- monetary decisions because money is a central part of our lives. It is present from birth, even before birth, and death, and even after death, and all in between. Uh, from uh, our food and our clothes, our housing, school, our health, our jobs, our travel, our leisure, on and on. It is a part of all of our life. It is a powerful force in our lives. One that we must reckon with according to the wisdom of God. I mean, Jesus talks about money more than any other social issue. He talks about money more than he talks about sex. 
talks about money more than he talks about politics. He talks about money more than he talks about the weather or sports or fashion or jobs or work or anything else. Or any social issue, money is at the top of his list because it is a powerful force. A competing force with our allegiance to God. It, it has negative consequences in a variety of ways. Um, uh, you, you're, many of you are familiar, you know, with surveys that are done with lottery winners. Lottery winners that win the big jackpots, you know, the hundreds of thousands, the millions of dollars. And uh, they've done a survey of lottery winners. And they found out that more than half, good bit more than half, say their lives are worse after winning the lottery than before. It would have been better for them to have not won that big chunk of change in the lottery. Also, for couples, marriages, couples are more likely to to lie to one another about money than anything else. In, in doing surveys with couples, they will be honest about having an affair before they'll be honest about secretly spending some of their money. It, it's the place where they're more likely to lie to one another than anything else. So it is a powerful force in our lives. And so today, what we're going to look at in this passage is one of those foundational truths about securing the bag in our lives. What is essential? What is necessary? What, what is the, uh, the appropriate categories, the, the basic foundation upon we, which we must stand as we pursue the goal of financial stability or financial health or, or even security? Our, our passage is in Matthew uh, chapter 19. Uh, starting with verse 16. And Jesus uh, talking to uh, a young, rich man who has a few questions for him. Um, you know, we have our Bibles in our pews again. So you can even turn to your, your uh, pew Bible, page 824, or you can follow along on the screen. But let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you again for your word that speaks to us of your truth. That that speaks to us of of powers that are at work in our lives. That seek to distract us. uh, To lead us astray. Give us wisdom, Lord, to hear your word, your truth today. Because we know your truth leads to life. So help us to hear and apply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Matthew 19, starting with verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. And behold, a man came up to him, to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? 
Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for My name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, as we look at this passage, we see the insidious power that money can have in our lives. Because the pursuit of money can lead us to spiritual bankruptcy. Money and God compete in our soul. They, they compete for our allegiance. And we cannot downplay that competition. We, we cannot uh, grow weary of that competition or, or, or somehow be ignorant of that or forget that reality because that reality messed this man up. He, he has this, an incorrect understanding of security, an incorrect order. Somehow he thinks the ways of the world of financial security are the ways of eternal security and that financial security will lead to eter, in, eternal security in some way. I mean, his opening sentence reveals some things about him. You know, he comes to Jesus. Jesus, what what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, first off, the first thing to look at is he's he's saying, how do I have it? How do I possess it? He's using language there that would be very common in the marketplace. I pay money and then I possess it. That's how I have it. So this is what how he's coming to Jesus here. But what is, he thinks he's going to come make a, some kind of contribution of some kind, maybe even a sacrificial one. But he's going to do something, maybe with his possessions, maybe with his life. And, and by doing that, he's now then going to get his ticket, you know, for e- eternal life. But that is not how God's kingdom works. And somehow he thinks he's capable of good deeds. What good deed can I do? To, so he, he thinks it's possible for him to do that. And, and Jesus responds to him and he corrects that first. He goes, uh, do you really know what good means? Well, not exactly what he said, but that's what he's getting at. Do you understand there is none who is good but God alone? In other words, you're not 
You're not capable of any good deed. We're, we're not capable of any good deed. I mean, so this man, he needed a total reboot. You know, he needed to turn everything off and start it back up because of the, what, what he had loaded into his understanding of the way the world works was wrong. It was off kilter. And, and, and Jesus sets him on that direction here. He gives him a little correction and a little redirection here. He goes, for first, he uses the language, no, you got to, you enter eternal life. You don't possess it. Not something you obtain, that, that, that you own. You enter into it. You live eternal life. And the way you live into eternal life, I mean, it, it's, it's a journey. It's not a destination. That's why, as we'll see later on, Jesus says, follow me. It's a journey with him. And it's a journey of learning to obey him. I mean, this, this charge, this command to him, it's not an offshoot. It's not a trick on Jesus' part. I mean, remember that what we're about as followers of Jesus is obeying Jesus. That's the great commission. You know, go be baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. So that, that is a good thing. Jesus' command here is he's teaching him, yeah, go obey me. That, that is entering into eternal life. And he uses the Ten Commandments, five through nine. It's, it's interesting here that he doesn't quote 10, which is don't covet. That's uh, a whole nother thing to consider, but he does, doesn't use that. But he does say, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's a demanding radical command. You know, that, that means I care as much about what you have in your refrigerator as I do in mine. I care as much about what's in your bag as I do in mine. You know, and, and that's a lifelong journey to truly Pursue and obey to love you as much as I love myself. So, so Jesus does want us to obey. And this is a good correction to cheap grace. You know, the thought, well, I just believe Jesus. I raise my hand. I sign that. I, I, I've done the right thing. So now, now I go do what I want. No. The, Jesus invites us to follow him to a life of learning to obey him. And that's what the church is here for, is to help us to be that, that support group, you know, that, that challenging group, that encouragement to help us to follow, to obey Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. You know, but so, so Jesus gives them the commands. And I, what I'd love to know here is what, what's going on in this guy's mind in his response? I, you know, it, because then he responds, okay, I've done that. I, I've done those things. You know, and I, I, you know, we don't get these kind of details in the text. You know, there's just no, it's not there. What, what's going on in his mind? What's going on in Jesus' mind when he says that to Jesus? Because I know what goes on in my mind. You know, it's sort of like, whoa, what? <laughs> what's this guy thinking? I've done that. But, you know, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that he is a moral, upright citizen, that he's, he is a, a great businessman and, and he has done really good things and, and he's, and he's showing up there now thinking somehow he's going to make a deal with God. But the, see, the, the point here is that he just has the wrong idea of how money and God relate. He doesn't see the competition. That goes on in our souls. Yeah. On another setting, Jesus said, um, you know, that, that you can't serve God and money. You, you can't put yourself in the place where you're serving you know, both of those together that, because they compete. Only one can be the one that you serve. 
In a sense, you gotta choose, we have to choose which bag we're going to secure first and foremost with the very purpose and essence of our life. And what Jesus reveals to this man is that he has made money more important than God. Or maybe even made money equal to God. Either way, it's idolatry. Either way, it leads him away from God instead of towards God. So, but Jesus continues. He hears him. He doesn't laugh in his face or anything. He says, okay, you've done that. Oh, so, and I'm even anticipating. This is just my sense that Jesus, he's positive. He's excited here. Okay, you've obeyed the commands. All right, well, then this is what, this is what you want to be perfect, right? You want to be mature. That's what, what the word also uh, can be translated. Then here's what you go do now. Go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. You'll have a bag full in heaven and then come follow me. And I think one of the things that he's saying then, because then if you go do that, if you empty your earthly bag of all that stuff, then your bag will be empty so you can fill it with me. You can follow after me now. So I think he, he, he may even have that sense of excitement here. But here is one of the scariest passages in the Bible. And this is a scary thing. This is a shocker. Because Jesus, the Lord of the universe, the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, has invited this man to follow him. And he says no. That's the competition that goes on in our souls. It's that serious. It's not just a bad mistake. It is a serious thing. That that it gets in the way of us following Jesus. And that's what happens to this man. There's plenty of times when Jesus asks others to follow him. And they leave the stuff. You know, the disciples, they leave the boats, they leave the nets, they leave their parents, they leave their homeland, and they follow Jesus. Jesus tells him... Alright, take all that, take your bag, empty it, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And he turns and walks the other way. It's the only time in the scriptures, in the gospels, when Jesus asks somebody to follow him, that they refuse. So somehow, this man, see that, that's why I'm saying that he needs a reboot. It's, and, and we don't know what happens. Maybe the man does. Maybe he, he then goes and, and he reboots. We don't know. It really, uh, those of us that are optimists like me, you think, yeah, he goes away and then he wrestles with the Lord and he comes back to him having done what Jesus said. Those of you that are pessimists, you know, you're like, nope, he missed it. He missed the boat. He's done. It says more about us than it does the, the text. We just, we, we just don't know. But he, he's at this time thinking somehow he can negotiate God and money together in some way for, for, for his benefit. See, there's, there is only one bag ultimately that we're to secure and that's Jesus. Eternal life is a journey towards total allegiance to God and obedience to Jesus in all of life. 
Now, we're saved by grace through faith. We are there because of Jesus' death and his life, his resurrection, his eventual return. That is why we are there. But he saves us not just to then go do our thing, but to give our lives totally to him. To pursue him in any and every way with every second and every penny. So, so first and foremost from here, that know this. God is God and money isn't. No, God is the boss and money is the servant. That's where we stand between those two. God is the boss and Lord and money is the servant according to the ways of the boss. We live today to obey God, not money. We don't live for money. God leads and the money follows Our decisions are guided not according to financial calculation primarily, but according to God's direction. That's the first thing. That's the reboot that we have to recognize first and foremost that we are here serving God totally and completely and everything else follows. Now, the second thing may seem almost like a contradiction, but it's not. It is the second point. Money is not bad. Money is not bad. I mean, if it were bad, then why would Jesus tell the guy to go sell all his possessions, make all the money, and then give it to the poor? If money's bad, you certainly don't want to give bad stuff to people who are already oppressed and troubled. So it's not bad. It's a necessary tool. It's a powerful tool in the ways of life. But it, it, it is, like I said, God's the boss. Money is the servant. As we, um, and, and remember, you know, Paul, Apostle Paul told, told Timothy in his letter to Timothy that it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. But so as we enter into this series for these these next couple months, we have to each one of you and I, we've got to be in a place of honestly talking with ourselves, with our families, with our trusted friends in our growth groups. If you're a part of of growth groups in those, those places to talk about how does money compete in my soul with God? How does money and the security that it brings compete in your soul with the security that God brings in God alone? In in what ways are we like this man? Somehow trying to negotiate with God and and have a little bit of God or a, a lot of God or good bit of God and little bit of money. How are we trying to negotiate with God instead of saying it's all yours? And I want to use it according to your, your wisdom and guidelines. It'd be a good time to, to ask a, a, a question, God, uh, or, or to consider what you would, how would you fill in the blank here? You know, God, I want blank. So what do I need to do to get it? That's what this guy did. And we're 
prone to do the same thing. And a lot of times what we fill the blank with is related to money. It has a price. Not everything. I understand that. Not, not everything does. But a lot does. And it is how we negotiate with God instead of submit to Him. So money can cause spiritual bankruptcy. Money and God compete for your soul. And we must honestly address the power of money in our lives so that we can put money in its proper place. Now, here's a practical um, application, almost a direct application from this passage. One of the ways to, to sort of see this in your life, to think about it. Now, it's, it's not foolproof, it's not a test, you know, but... It comes out of this passage. It makes it for a a good question to to consider as you evaluate your own financial situation according to what Jesus said to this man. How much money do you give to the poor or ministries that reach out to the poor? It's a good thing to do. It's a good point of application just to go look and see that. Huh. If, If... because Jesus could have told the guy to give the money to any kind of place. And we, if you're a student of the Bible, you see over and over again, God's care for the poor, those that are distressed, those that are in need. Um, and regularly, uh, we see that in all kinds of, of what Jesus, ways that Jesus teaches. So again, it's a, just a good, pointed application point to go through, look at your resources and say, huh, how much do we give to the poor or ministries that really focus on the poor. I mean, it's why we as a church you know, give money and time and resource to things like Christ Community and College Hill, Feast of Love that are all part of Heartbeat of the City now, or uh, City Link or City Gospel um, uh, or uh, Matthew 25, to name a few. But that's, that's just a good way to go and just reflect for yourself and consider that. Another another thing to do, this is a little a little more lengthy, is to write what's called a money autobiography. And it's a whole list of, of questions. You can um, go to the uh, Faith and Money Network uh, online. Or I tell you what, if you know if you get the emails that we send, I'm gonna send out an email uh, Monday or Tuesday of this week, and it'll have a link on it to a couple websites that give you some questions, um, uh, ways to unpack that, of exploring, to writing just a money autobiography, which helps you. So really, it's a great resource. It helps help me to see, yeah, how much of what I think about money is because of the Smith family traditions versus Jesus' teaching. How much is it because of uh, American uh, values versus kingdom values? And where do they come from? It's a, it was a really a very good um, exercise. So that's another thing. But I'll, I'll send that to you um, uh, this week. Now, some of you may be now saying to yourself, if you haven't already, um, and if you haven't already turned off for those that are online, saying, next time I'm going to read what the passage is that we're preaching on and uh, choose if I'm coming or not. Because this one's a bear. <laughs> this is a tough word, a rough word. Oh, and you're right. It is. Jesus agrees with you. And so do the disciples. So you're in a good spot. You know, it, what's scary is, is if you are responding, oh yeah, I got that. And that's responding like the rich man. If you're not uncomfortable, then that's the scary spot. 
Because you're more like the rich man than you are the disciples. Yeah, because the disciples, they're asking, well, wait a minute. How does this work? You know, who, who can be saved? Um, and, and so Jesus, and when Jesus tells him, and he's had this conversation with the man, then he gets with the disciples and he says, all right, guys, let's huddle up. Let's talk. You, you need to know it, it, it's impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. You know, it, it, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into eternal life, to enter into the kingdom of God. And um, you know, what's funny is to look back over history at the different interpretations of that camel through the eye of a needle. And maybe you've heard, you know, some of them. It's uh, it's like, well, it, it really just means it's really hard or or it's uh, something to do with really um, uh, the, the camel was the name of some kind of really thick thread that made it difficult or that there was a gate in some city called the eye of the needle and a camel could go through it if the camel got on his knees. Well, all that's false. None of that is found in history. You can actually find a couple hundred years ago where those interpretations started to come up. Because people try, man, we gotta soften this in some way. But but they're they're not true. What Jesus is saying, it's impossible. And and then the disciples, you you hear them say, well, then who can be saved? And, and, And then Jesus responds, this is the good news here. This is the good, yeah. With men, it's impossible. With God, everything is possible. Praise the Lord. We can be, not only are we made right with God, to walk with God in eternal life through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, that we look forward to His return, but His Spirit is at work in you and me, changing us, transforming us, changing our allegiance from the things of this world so that we are walking and obeying and growing closer and closer and falling deeper in love with Jesus, our Savior and Lord. God's Spirit does that in us. That, that, that's, that's what makes this possible. That's why this is a hopeful series. Okay, God, we know this isn't in our ability to do. You've made that clear. Now, how do, are we gonna grow in this way? How are you gonna make us fall deeper in love with you? And obey you more and enjoy you more and use the resource that you have entrusted to us as servants to your kingdom. It's possible with God. God got this. He's got you. He's got me. He's at work in us, freeing us from the power of money, freeing us and leading us into the submitting to the power of God. And he goes on to say, even Peter, Peter's still out of the loop here. He's still like, all right, well, Jesus, we've left all that stuff. So what do we get? You know, what do we have? You know, he's, he's really asking the same question that the, the rich man. And Jesus is like, uh, just keep following me. But, but know this. You're, you're with me. You're walking with me. And a day will come that, that you will be ruler over all of eternity. And for all of you, what you have left, you will receive a hundredfold. God not only does the impossible that he transforms us. He draws us closer to him, makes us more and more like like Jesus, gives us the capacity for the money to submit to us as we submit to him. But he is also our provider. He provides all that we need. Our, Our journey, these next seven weeks, 
are to make the great, or, or to, to continue on our journey of, of, of making the greatest use possible according to the kingdom of God of the money that God has entrusted to us. By growing more and more in our own trust and dependence in God, our knowledge of Jesus and His teachings, and, and helping one another to follow, to do what He teaches us in every way and with every penny. Knowing that in our human abilities we fail, but that God can do the impossible in my life and in yours and in us, it frees us from the power of money and frees us to submit to Him. Let's just see. Let's see what happens. Come the, the middle of November, let's see what God does in our lives and in us as a church. As He makes those changes more and more to make God the boss and money the servant for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray.